All right, Mark chapter 9, 30 through 41. And before we read the passage this morning, just wanted to say thank you uh, to uh, my church family. I think I speak on behalf of Pastor Jim and Pastor Doug. Last night was really special. Uh, we enjoyed uh, the time of fellowship and the meal together. So thank you to everyone uh, that had a part in that. And I know we were just celebrating Christ and just the joy, the blessing that we have of serving our Lord and Savior uh, together. So those are sweet times. Amen. Uh, so that was very special. So thank you. But let's go ahead and read Mark chapter 9, 30 through 41. The message today is entitled, It is not about us. It's not about us. Starting in verse 30. They went on from there and passed through Galilee, and he did not want anyone to know. For he was teaching the disciples, saying unto them, The Son of Man is going to be delivered into the hands of men, and they will kill him. And when he is killed after three days, he will rise. But they did not understand the saying and were afraid to ask him. And they came to Capernaum, and when he was in the house, he asked them, What were you discussing on the way? But they kept silent, for on the way they had argued with one another about who was the greatest. And he sat down, and he called the twelve, and he said unto them, If anyone would be first, he must be last of all and servant of all. And he took a child and put him in the midst of them, and, and taking him in his arms, he said to them, Whoever receives one such child in my name receives me, and whoever receives me receives not me, but him who sent me. And John said to him, Teacher, we saw someone casting out demons in your name, and we tried to stop him, because he was not following us. But Jesus said, Do not stop him, for no one who does a mighty work in my name will be able soon afterward to speak evil of me. For the one who is not against us is for us. For truly I say unto you, whoever gives you a cup of water to drink, because you belong to Christ, will by no means lose his reward. Let's pray together. Father, it was good to be able to worship you through the singing this morning and our prayer time and the reading of the word. And Father, we do humbly ask this morning that you will speak. Speak, O Lord, for your glory and for our good. And it's in the wonderful name of Christ that we pray together. Amen. It's not about us. So I want to start this morning. We've already covered verses 30 through 37, but just to kind of walk back through them real quick, and then we're going to really focus in on verses 38 through 41. So look back at verse 30. You were in the last year of the public ministry of Christ. And when it says they went on from there and passed through Galilee, they were at Caesarea Philippi. Jesus had been transfigured before them. Uh, they had seen uh, Jesus cast out uh, the demon uh, from the little boy that was struggling. And now, as they're traveling over 20 miles down through the Sea of Galilee and ultimately onto Jerusalem, it says there, in verse 30, he did not want anyone to know. You know, Stephen read the passage 
of where Jesus was doing all of those mighty miracles to show that he was the Messiah. But on this occasion, as he's in his last year of his public ministry, he's wanting to spend time with the disciples. He's preparing them for his death, burial, and resurrection. And so in verse 31, he was teaching his disciples and saying unto them, The Son of Man is going on is going to be delivered into the hands of men, and they will kill him, and when he is killed after three days, he will rise. Now this is the third time that Jesus has had this time of teaching, this conversation with the disciples that it's recorded in Scripture. There may have been other times, but we have these three recorded. It's not about us. It's about the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you remember last time, I discussed about keeping the main thing the main thing. And that's the heart of Christ here with his apostles. He's teaching them. He's encouraging them. He's strengthening them. He's training them to keep their eyes, to keep their hearts, to keep their minds focused on Christ Jesus. Of his death, the cross, his burial, and the resurrection. But look at verse 32. But they did not understand the saying, and they were afraid to ask him. So even though Jesus was razor sharp in his focus of where the focus needed to be on the gospel, on him, the disciples were still struggling. They were dull spiritually. And we discussed how Peter even took Jesus to the side and rebuked him earlier in Mark chapter 8. And Jesus had to say to Peter, get thee behind me, Satan. And so in this case, they probably were afraid to ask Jesus of what he meant because of what had happened in the previous conversation. And now in verse 33, they come to Capernaum. And when he was in the house, he asked them, well, what were you discussing on the way? And so they you know, finished their journey from Caesarea Philippi. They're there in Capernaum by the Sea of Galilee, probably in Peter's house, his family's home. And Jesus asked them a very important question. What were you talking about? What were you discussing? Look at verse 34. But they kept silent. For on the way, they had argued with one another about who was the greatest. You see... Instead of their focus being on Christ, instead of their focus being on the gospel, instead of their focus being on Christ as a suffering servant and what he had come to accomplish, their focus was where? It was on themselves. They had made it about them. And again, it's not about us. And then look at what... Jesus says in verse 35, he sat down, he calls the 12 together. And so in that culture and in that time, for a rabbi, for a teacher to sit down was to take the place of authority. And so that's what Jesus is doing. And now he has something to say to them. If anyone would be first, he must be last of all and servant of all. And we discussed last time. That true greatness in the kingdom, true greatness is to be last. It's to be a servant of Jesus Christ, a servant of all. And then in verse 36, Jesus then takes a child and he puts him in the midst of them. And, he, and taking this child in his arms, 
he says unto them, Whoever receives one such child in my name receives me. And whoever receives me receives not me, but him who sent me. You know, I thought about this passage a lot. We didn't spend a lot of time last time on this. As Jesus was going about his public ministry, it it just made me think about there were probably children all over the place. Always wanting to be with Jesus. I don't think Pastor Tom is here anymore. But I love, even though he says he doesn't like children, I just love how, and he's joking, by the way, okay? Let me say that. I love how the children and the young people gravitate towards him. And when you see this little child in the lap of Jesus, Jesus holding this child, there's something just very special about that. Little children did not cramp Jesus' style. Little children were not a hindrance to his ministry. Jesus wasn't so busy that he didn't have time for children, for everyone. And he's modeling for these disciples. If you really want to be great, be a servant and take care of these little ones. You receive these little ones, and when you do that, You're not only receiving them, you're receiving me. And not only are you receiving me, you're receiving the one who sent me. And so when you look around this morning and you see all the wonderful children that God has blessed us with, what a joy and privilege we have had through the years and what a joy and privilege we still have before us to be ministers of the gospel to our little children. Amen. Thought about James 1, 27. Pure and undefiled religion before God is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction. To visit orphans and widows in their affliction. Do we have a heart for the least of these? And don't forget, as well, adults, Jesus told us to come before him with what? A childlike faith. A complete trust in Christ alone to save us. So now I want to get to the passage we're going to spend most of our time. Verses 38 through 41. So we've talked about It's not about us. Our focus should be on the gospel, on Jesus Christ. True greatness is found in being last, of being a servant of all. And the third truth today, guess what? It's going to be the exact same truth. It's not about us. It's about the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is about Jesus You know, sometimes churches say, it's all about you. It's not. It's not about me. It's not about you. It's about Jesus. Look at verse 38. John says to him, so again, probably pretty awkward conversation that just was had. 
They were talking about how great they were and who was the greatest. Jesus burst their little bubble. And he talks about humility and he talks about servanthood and what true greatness is. And so John now, probably in some sense, trying to change the conversation, he says, Teacher, we saw someone casting out demons in your name. And we tried to stop him because he was not following us. Did you catch that? He's not or he wasn't following us. John was making this about him, and he was making it about their little group, the apostles. Now, a key point. I want you to see this morning, John doesn't say that this man was not about Jesus, but that he was not of us. Jesus, this man, is not a part of our group. He's not a part of the apostles. Jesus, this man, is using your name, but he is not one of us. You see, John was putting the emphasis in the wrong place. There's a lack of spiritual maturity here. He's focusing on the wrong thing. John was seeing his call to apostleship as a place of position, a place of power, a place of entitlement, a place of authority, instead of a call to serve. I want you to turn to Luke chapter 9, 51 through 56. Luke 9, 51 through 56. This is kind of the parallel passage, but Luke includes something here right after the conversation that we see in Mark. Luke 9, 51 through 56. When the days drew near for him to be taken up, he set his face to go to Jerusalem. Remember, Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem to die for the sins of his people. Verse 52, and he sent messengers ahead of him who went and entered a village of the Samaritans. So the half-breeds, half-Jews, half-Gentiles, to make preparation for him. But the people did not receive him, so they don't receive Jesus because his face was set towards Jerusalem. And when his disciples, James and John, the sons of thunder, saw it, they said, Lord, do you want us to tell fire to come down from heaven and consume them? And look at how Jesus responds. But he turned and he rebuked them. And they went on to another village. You see, James and John, the other apostles, their response was, let's just go ahead and get rid of them. I'm going to mention Pastor Tom again this morning. He led us on Wednesday night, and something that really stood out to me, when we think about the wicked and we think about enemies, we think about unbelievers, we should have a heart of compassion. You know, Tom referenced Wednesday night. That's where we once were. 
we should be on our hands and our knees begging for them to be broken over their sin, for God to get a hold of their heart and to bring them to an end of themselves and to bring them through repentance and faith in Christ. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. Let's allow God to do what needs to be done in those cases. But our hearts should be filled with compassions. Our hearts should be filled with being a servant. Our hearts should be filled with the gospel, the love and truth of Jesus with all people. And you see, John and James and the other apostles had gotten focused on themselves and their group. Now let's go back to Mark 9 and let's see how Jesus responds there. So back in Mark 9, 39 and 40. So John is like, look, we saw this man. We tried to stop him. He was casting out demons. He's not one of us. Look at what Jesus says in verse 39. Jesus says, do not stop him. For no one who does a mighty work in my name will be able to soon afterward to speak evil of me for the one who is not against us is for us jesus didn't want this man we don't know a lot about this man but jesus didn't want him to be stopped because he was doing a mighty work for the glory of god anyone who does a work to exalt christ will not soon afterwards speak evil of christ so from the way Jesus responds here, we, we have to believe here that this was a genuine follower of Jesus. He wasn't a false teacher. He wasn't a false prophet. From what we know, he wasn't trying to use the name of Jesus for personal gain. He was legit, even though he wasn't one of the apostles. Now, a few thoughts. Number one, Jesus did send out more than just the 12 apostles. I want you to go to Luke 10, 1. Luke 10, 1. Now we know, we've, we've looked at this through the Gospel of Mark. Jesus did call the 12. He did empower them and equip them as far as to teach and to preach and to cast out demons and to heal but in Luke 10, 1, we also see that after this, the Lord appointed 72 others, and he sent them on ahead of him, two by two, into every town and place where he himself was about to go. So there were other disciples. There were other followers of Jesus. And if you keep reading there in verse 2, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. We need more laborers. To take the gospel to the ends of the earth. Now, I want you to also go to Matthew chapter 7, 21 through 23. Matthew 7, 21 through 23. We do need to understand this morning that there are false teachers and false prophets. We have to be discerning and we have to be wise. Look at Matthew 7. 21 through 23. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father, who is in heaven. And on that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name 
and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name. So a lot of times there's there's these people that are doing these great things in the name of Jesus. But then look at verse 23. And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. So there are people that use the name of Jesus. And it is all about self. It's not for the glory of Christ. They're not in the faith. So we do have to realize that this morning. And in that, we should not support false prophets and false teachers. Go to 2 John 7 through 11. 2 John 7 through 11. This is one of the shortest letters in the New Testament, 2 John, just one chapter, right before 3 John, Jude, and Revelation. So these short little kind of postcards in the back of our Bible, 2 John, look at verses 7 through 11. For many deceivers have gone out into the world, those who do not confess the coming of Jesus Christ in the flesh. Such a one is the deceiver and the antichrist. Watch yourselves so that you may not lose what we have worked for, but may win a full reward. Everyone who goes on ahead and does not abide in the teaching of Christ does not have God. Whoever abides in the teaching has both the Father and the Son. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, do not receive him into your house or give him any greeting. For whoever greets him takes part in his wicked works. So church, this morning, we do have to be wise and discerning. There are false teachers and false prophets. Okay, We don't affirm and encourage the work of Mormonism or Jehovah Witnesses. They're not preaching and teaching the, the true gospel. We don't bless them. We don't give them Godspeed. Yet, we do share the gospel with them. They need Christ. They need salvation. I'm going to mention Pastor Tom again. Just this week, I know he's been ministering and sharing the gospel to some Mormons in our community. And we should do that. They need Christ. But we don't encourage them in the work. And so that's not what Jesus is talking about when you think about Mark 9 and this gentleman that even though we don't know a lot about him, he's not a false prophet, he's not a false teacher. And that I want to go to this next passage. This will be the last cross reference here. Go to 3 John 5 through 10. 3 John 5 through 10. I think this is where in the context of Mark chapter 9, this is what we're dealing with. 3 John, verses 5 through 10. Once again, just one chapter. Beloved, it is a faithful thing that you do in all your efforts for these brothers, strangers as they are. So think about that. They're brothers in Christ, but yet they're strangers in that they don't really know one another. Verse 6, who testified to your love before the church. You will do well to send them on their journey in a manner worthy of God. For they have gone out for the sake of the name, 
accepting nothing from the Gentiles. They're not taking things from the world. They're being supported by God's people. Verse 8, therefore, we ought to support people like these, that we may be fellow workers for the truth. I have written something to the church, but Diotrephes, who likes to put himself first, so he's filled with pride, does not acknowledge our authority. So if I come, I will bring up what he is doing, talking wicked nonsense against us. And not, with, and not content with that, he refuses to welcome the brothers and also stops those who want to and puts them out of the church. So here we have a case where God is exhorting us to encourage, to pray for, to support our brothers in the faith. They're truly in the gospel, even though to some extent they may be strangers. So here's the application for us. As great as our church family is, and I love Everglades Baptist Church, and we should love our local church, and we should be thankful for God and the gospel and what Christ has done and what he's doing here. And we should get to know one another. By the way, we shouldn't be strangers of one another within our own church. Like, we, we are getting to know one another. We're sharing life together. We're fellowshipping together. We're locking arms together. We're taking the gospel to the ends of the earth. But as we do that, are there other healthy biblical churches all around the world? that are doing the same thing? Yes. Everglades Baptist Church is not the be-all, end-all. Everglades Baptist Church is not the only healthy church in Okeechobee County. And so we should love our brothers and sisters, and we should be thankful. This is about the gospel going to the ends of the earth, not just through Everglades, but through sister churches as well. So Pastor Jim, Doug, and I, we, we met for some prayer and planning yesterday about missions. And here's some things I want you guys to be praying with us. We should be about strengthening local churches. This is bigger than Everglades. It's not about us. It's about Christ. It's about the gospel. This is about Canal Point Baptist Church. This is about Brighton Baptist Church. This is about First Indian. And I could go on and on. This is even about churches that aren't in our denomination. But they love Christ. They love the word. They love the gospel. And we should want to see our sister churches thrive as well. We should be praying for the strengthening of our pastors, not just Doug, Jim, and I, but pastors all around the lake, pastors in Africa that Greg is investing in. We should be praying for the strengthening of our families, all of the families of Everglades, the families of Okeechobee County. There's much brokenness. We should be praying for the strengthening of our association. There's the squirrel moment, Jim. By the way, we could be praying for our missionary aviation pilots of 
the role that they have of taking the gospel to the ends of the earth, praying for our sister churches, praying for our missionaries, praying for the planting of new works, new churches. If we're not careful, it's just easy to be like John in this passage. Go back to Mark. Look at what he says again. Go back to Mark 9, verse 38. Teacher, we saw someone casting out demons in your name, and we tried to stop him because he was not following us. Now, if he would have said, because he's not following you, Jesus, okay, that's a different story. But John was wrapped up in his little group. Let's be honest. This can even happen within the life of a local church. We have our own little ministries, right? And if we're not careful, well, I really hope my ministry does really well. I don't really care so much about what they're doing, but as long as you know things are going well our way. But we could not, or maybe we don't focus as much on sister churches and their success in the gospel. It's a both and. I want us to go to Philippians chapter 2, 3 through 8. Go ahead and be turning to Philippians 2, 3 through 8. You know, in verse 41 in Mark 9, I'll read that. It says, For truly I say unto you, whoever gives you a cup of water to drink because you belong to Christ will by no means lose his reward. And I thought about Philippians 2 in regard to that passage. Let me catch up with you. Philippians 2, 3 through 8. Bible says, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself. By taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. I want you to go back to Mark 9 and look back at that verse 41. You know, Jesus is not asking us to do anything that he did not do himself. He stepped out of the glory of heaven, the riches of heaven. He who was rich became poor. He took on flesh. He emptied himself. He was still fully God, but yet incarnated, became man, suffered just as we suffer, the temptations that we face. He can sympathize with our weaknesses and our struggles. And he ultimately was obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. So when you look at verse 41, 
back in Mark 9. Truly I say unto you, whoever gives you a cup of water to drink because you belong to Christ will by no means lose his reward. Every little thing that's done for the furtherance of the gospel is significant in the eyes of Christ. Even the giving of a, of a cup of water. You know, I mentioned this a few weeks back. When our brothers went over to Mr. Bob's and helped him with the need that he had of the hour, there wasn't anything glamorous about that. But that was gospel work. That was considering the needs of others greater than themselves. Now let me encourage you, Everglades Baptist Church. I see this in our church family. I could give hundreds of examples right now. May we never lose that. And we talked about this last night. Every little thing that happens, Sunday morning service, all throughout the week, every ministry within the life of Everglades, it's important because it's about the good news of Jesus Christ going forth. One question I thought about. Why do we have such a hard time being joyful for those used of God when maybe it's not us? And I think that's something we have to wrestle about, wrestle with in our own hearts. Are we joyful when maybe it is another church that God's using in a mighty way? Are we thankful when maybe it's another ministry within the life of our church that God is using in a way to further the gospel? I hope so, right? If not, those are things we need to take before the Lord. May we be like John the Baptist. Pastor Doug preached on this not too long ago where he said, May I decrease so that Jesus will increase. So here's your homework. This week, I gave you some things to pray about. Pray for at least one sister church to be biblical, to be healthy, to be Christ-centered. It could be Canal Point. It could be First Indian. It could be another church that you're aware of in the community. So I know for a lot of us in here, myself included growing up, We came from some churches or some backgrounds where there was a lot of hurt. Those churches that God led us away from, they're not the enemy. We should be praying that Christ is exalted in them. And then Pastor Doug, I'll give you props for this one. This was kind of convicting, but it's a good homework assignment. When we think about it not being about us, make this really practical this week. Have at least one conversation with someone else where you don't think about yourself or you don't say anything about yourself in that conversation. So have a conversation 
with someone else where it's totally focused on Christ and that other person. Really meditate on that. There's someone this week that God would have you to minister the gospel to. The gospel of Christ. So finally this morning, if you're here and you know not Christ, there's a God that created you, a God that loves you, but the Bible is very clear that we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We need forgiveness. We need a new heart. We need Christ. And God demonstrated his love towards us and that while we were yet sinners, that Jesus Christ died for us. And the Bible is very clear. If you will confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That is the good news of the gospel. Forgiveness, new life, eternal life is only found in Christ. It's not about us. It's about Jesus. Let's all stand and we'll pray together. Father, we thank you for this morning. Thank you for salvation in Christ. Thank you for the joy of serving. Lord, I am thankful for my church family that by your grace you've knit our hearts together. As Pastor Jim preached a few weeks back, you, you chose us before the the foundation of the world, as 1 Corinthians 12 talks about, that you've put us together for such a time as this to live out the gospel in community. But Father, we're not only thankful this morning for our church family here, but we are thankful for our sister churches. And we pray for them. We pray for their pastors to be men of the word, men that preach and teach the gospel. Pray for their strengthening, Lord. God, use us to help other churches. Father, we pray for our families this morning. Pray for our men that we would lead our families in word and in prayer, worshiping you. And God, help us to reach out and minister to another family that's maybe struggling or hurting, whether it's in our church or in a sister church. And then, Father, we do pray for our missionaries that you've called to go. May we support them and encourage them and pray for them fervently. And God, thank you for the joy of serving. That no matter how insignificant we may think that it is, but as this passage addressed, even a cup of water that's given to a brother or sister, the least of these that... God, it doesn't go unnoticed, and there's such joy in ministering the love and truth of Christ to others. So I pray, God, that you will bless my brothers and sisters as they they serve this week. Help us to be mindful of the gospel. Help us to be mindful of the needs of others around us. 
And we ask all these things in the wonderful name of Christ. Amen.